But we're in our second week of a new series we've simply called Crux. And we I like the word, it's just a good, solid word. And it, it reminds us of this thing of, of what is this really all about? Most of the time we don't use the word crux other than the phrase we're using it in, and that's the, the, the crux of the matter. What is this really, really about? So many times things can become about things they were never really about, and it's, it's easy to have drift. Drift in our relationships, drift in our assignment for life, drift on all sorts of different things. And uh, so... As we are, uh, how many of y'all just have, just walking through the house drift? How many of you have walked into a room and go, why am I in here? Yes. Now, this is crazy, because you do this too. You go back to where the last place you remember, and somehow that thought is hanging there in the environment in that room. And you kind of reconnect with it, and you go, oh yeah, that's why. And you go right back in there. And we just drift. It just happens all the time. And, and if we don't watch it, our life in Christ will drift as well. So this crux series is with, it's a realignment. We just want this to be, we want our relationship with God this thing called being a Christ follower, we want it to be what it's really about. And not some of the periphery, not some of the other stuff it can turn into. So if you got your notes open, you got your version app open, you, you got your paper notes that you, when you fill in the blanks that we gave you on the way in, now let's go ahead and get into this. And we're looking at this thought that when it comes to our life in God, the crux of the matter is this. And this week, the crux of the matter is that God's kindness leads us to life change. If you have a different mindset of what God utilizes to grow us and lead us into life change other than his kindness, I'm hoping that by the time we spend this time together, you're going to recognize how the Holy Spirit works in our lives today. And it really is his goodness and kindness that leads us into a place of life change. So many times we understand that the life change is something that, that needs to happen, but then we, we kind of we get the cart before the horse as, as the saying goes. Uh, having a, a, a big household, you know, we have a, a lot of, of parenting moments, and, you know, each kid comes through and they've got to learn the same little processes over and over. You start at seven times. You'd think we would be good at teaching these processes. But every time we're like, oh, yeah, we don't need to take this for granted. We need to teach this one. Well, with Carson, years ago, we were trying to help him and teach him to be conscientious to wipe his shoes off before he came in. Carson loves to play outside. He's just, he made a he made a bow the other day. Got, got and used all natural ingredients in our backyard. Got a stick, got vines, and it would shoot. It was awesome. It was so cool. And then I broke it. Because <laughs> I was trying to shoot it. And I pulled back too far. And then he made another one that was even better. But that, that's just Carson. He just loves, he just loves to be outside, and so consequently, we want the outside, outside. It's a great place for outside to be, is outside. And uh, apparently outside has a smell. 
And so, because my wife and my kids will be playing, and they come in, there, you smell like outside. And so, I don't know what outside smells like, but my wife does. And, um, and so, Carson, one day, we've been working on him to wipe his feet off, and before he went in the house. And keep the dirt levels down. Well, we're standing there, and he comes in the back door, and we're in the kitchen. And I happened to be going the same direction as him. Who knows how long this process had been going on. I happened to be going the same direction. So he comes in the back door in the kitchen, walks through the dining room, through the living room. He comes in the back door. He goes out the front door, opens the front door, <laughs> wipes his feet, comes back in the house. I'm like, um, kudos, buddy. Good job that you remembered to wipe your feet. You just need to do that before you come in the house. <laughs> Once you trade through the house, everything's been knocked off. It's already in here. And so, so many times we can get this thing that this is what it's about when really there's, there's something else that's involved. In our culture, you've more than likely heard somebody get frustrated with somebody and say, man, that person needs Jesus. <laughs> or get have something's going on, some sort of place of tension, and go, man, we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. Um, typically, that's when that kind of unfolds, that's not pleasant. <laughs> if anybody ever tells you that you need a come to Jesus meeting, they're not inviting you to church. <laughs> they're not inviting, they're not inviting you to small group. They're not trying to love on you. I don't know how that phrase got started, but that's not what it's about. Because well, so many times what we do is this person has some issue in their life that we don't, and we're like, they need some life change. And we can correlate this place that somebody needs Jesus because they need life change. Something's off, something's weird, and that somehow this, this number one thing of the gospel somehow drifts and becomes this thing of life change. When really that's not the number one piece of the gospel. It is a fruit of the gospel. It is an outgrowth of the gospel. But the thing is, is we get reminded all the time that God did not come to make bad people good. Jesus' mission wasn't come to make bad people act better. It was to come to make dead people live. We were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins. We were dead in all the stupid, selfish stuff we do to ourselves and to each other. And yes, does something need to shift? Absolutely. But there was something broken desperately on the inside of us. The good news of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. And guess what? That eternal life begins at that moment of belief and with that eternal life growing on the inside of us comes life change as we process as we embrace him but so many times as we get the cart before the horse we can forget what this is about and how God deals with us let's look at Romans chapter 2 in this series we've just tracking through the book of Romans covered Romans chapter 1 last week. In Romans chapter 2 verse 1 says, You therefore have no excuse. Or you feel like you're getting caught in the middle of conversation. Well, if you weren't here last week, you are. Because where he covers in at last week was this place that we are all in a need. All need Jesus. All of us. And he begins at the, or he's 
making a case at the end of Romans chapter 1 of all of the stupid, messed up, selfish, wicked stuff you and I do to ourselves and to each other. He makes a, you know, a paragraph list of this stuff. And then the, the, the people who've put this together and, and put it, they kind of ended there and started a new chapter at with, you know, Paul did say, okay, chapter 2. We put that in there so we could find stuff. And they broke it, and we really need to read it in one big linear flow. Because it can look like he's just railing on everybody who does bad stuff if we just stop at the end of chapter 1. But what he says is he brings it home to the people he's writing this letter to. The Roman believers. He says, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. We all need a savior. We all do. There's not a hand, there's not a group of people who kind of have this thing together and a group of people who need to come to Jesus meeting. No, we all need a savior. All of us. So when recognizing that, that I need it just as much as the person that irritates me the most, then that should kind of chisel that judgy, look down my nose thing out of my heart and remove that. And I should be in a place of compassion because understanding that person needs the good news that God loves them and is for them as much as I needed it too. And all of a sudden there, then, then that's what weeds the judgment out. You ever tried to not be judgmental? It's hard. It is hard. We naturally do it. We can be judgmental against people who are judgmental. I don't like judgmental people. All right, you just join them. You don't like yourself. And they probably don't. And we sit there and we get caught in the middle of this. The only thing that deals and weeds out that judgmental thing on the inside of us is recognizing that if not for Christ, we're in the same boat. Amen. That if not for him, we're in the same boat. And then that takes that judgmental thing, and then we can begin to, to pray differently and respond differently out of a place of, of love and compassion. He goes on to say in the next verse, he says, Now we know God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. He understands. God alone is the judge of all. Why? Because he's the only one that knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. He alone. Amen. Nobody else says, you don't even really understand the thoughts and intents of your own heart. You ever had an honest conversation with somebody? Somebody close to you? And they go, man, when, when you said this to me, um, you were real, being real hurtful. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And you really think you weren't. And then as it goes, all of a sudden you realize, I was. I was still mad about that other thing, and that I did. I, I was making a dig at him. I, I, I just. I didn't even realize it. I was subconsciously just. I thought I wasn't, and I am. And we don't even. We're not even good at judging our own thoughts and intents. 
And that's why we have to leave it to God. Paul at a certain point says, says I don't even judge myself. I let the Holy Spirit tell me where I'm right and where I'm wrong. Because we're not good at it. He said, then it goes on to say, so when you, a mere human human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same thing, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Or do you or do you show contentment for the riches of his kindness, his forbearance, and his patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Not his anger, not his wrath. Not all this outside pressure. It's his kindness. That's why the gospel is summed up is God so loved the world. Not God is so mad, you better get straightened up. <laughs> Most people think that's the gospel. God is so mad, you better fix stuff. When the gospel is not that, it's that God so loved the world that he sent a son. That's the good news. That's what this is about. It's his kindness. See, God's kindness leads us to repentance. So many times we can think repentance is this thing of, of coming up to the front of some church or auditorium or something and crying and declaring how sorry you are. When if you go back and do the exact same thing, that's not repentance. Repentance actually is this, this concept of changing the way you think. You begin to think in a different way. That's what repentance is. It's, it's, it's changing the way you think. And then God's kindness leads us to change the way we think. So with that, biblical repentance is us allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and us quit acting like we know it all and have it all under control and recognize there's a God who loves us that knows more than us and go, you know what, God... I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. That's why Celebration Church is about knowing God better and trusting Him more. Years ago, I got to the privilege of being a, a fly on the wall and, and watch this go down. And my, my younger sister, who's an awesome, uh, awesome woman and, uh, and uh, loves God dearly. Uh, but in her teen years, had a had some couple of uh, had a, a fuzzy area, a fuzzy moment, and was just really pushing back. And um, my my parents were, all, were always good, solid parents. We knew where the rules were. We knew where the lines were. They were loving and dis and and, and, and did discipline right, and they just did. And but my baby sister decided she was going to push back on it, and they hit a place that. All of the normal stuff of reminding where the boundaries are, reminding where the lines are, reminding where all of this stuff was, and the normal just was not taking place. And I'm at a distance, okay? I'm at a distance. And I was, my dad started to get on to me. I wasn't a perfect son. But man, standing here two hours away, I was in this first judgy thing of my baby sister. I was irritated with her. Why is she treating my parents like that? Why is she doing this stupid stuff? And then we find out the breakdown moment. I was ready for my dad to bring the hammer on my sister. And, uh, and then I find out my dad, who his cooking involves fire and outside and meat. He's a real man. 
feels like he needs to bake cookies for my sister. That as she is just not on page, to just sit there and him, himself, not go buy them, not go to the, just bake her some cookies and just, just take them to her. And at their wit's end, just followed that prompting from the Holy Spirit. And my dad made some cookies. And, you know, you could kind of question whether or not it was it, it was guided by the Holy Spirit because the cookies were kind of ugly and burnt. <laughs> so, I'm not sure God was involved in the making of these cookies. <laughs> and, so, and so when he takes her this, this little platter of overcooked, burnt, homemade cookies to her and just gives her these cookies. And when all of the other stuff would not get through, that simple act of kindness. And my dad went out of the way and did something different and did something practical and show love. That was the breaking point in her heart. And she was just right. She was not having to butt heads and see who was going to be more stubborn. And all of a sudden things began to take a shift. See, so many times we think that we'll... We want, we just have to just bow up and push against God. All we're doing is, is we're pushing against his love. We're just pushing against his love. That's all he wants to do is love us. And if we just let him do that, it'll change everything. Paul also tells his disciple in the letter he writes to Titus in chapter 3, verse 4, it says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. How did the kindness and love of God our Savior appear? He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done. Not because, boy, we did it all right. And he's like, boy, it's time for me to come in and say, they're finally acting right. No, not because of that, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, who he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Here we are, we've been, we've pushed against him, rejected him, and because of what Jesus has done, we now get become heirs with Christ. That's just not fair. Amen. It's not. It's not. It's love. When justification comes in through Christ. You can think it's a cheesy way to understand it, but I think it's a beautiful, beautiful way to do it. That justified means simply just as if I've never sinned. Just as if there was nothing had ever happened between me and God. Jesus fixed it that completely. That completely. If you're sitting here and you're holding back on saying yes to moving forward in a relationship with God because you think you have to undo everything you've done in the past. There's just too much in my past. Guess what? You were right. That's why God dealt with it. Yeah. It's done. There was too much. So we dealt with it in Christ. It changed everything. 2 Corinthians 10. Says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now that sounds awesome. Spiritually, we're going to demolish some strongholds. And it sounds like this is just going to be awesome. 
feel like you spiritually have Thor's hammer. You just want to tear stuff up. Let's look at what's getting torn up. We demolish arguments. Where do we need to have a new way of thinking? Right here. His kindness begins to change our hardened heart and shift the way we think. We have arguments. Well, this is why it won't work. This is why God doesn't do it this way. This is why God shouldn't treat me so good. Demolish arguments and every pretense or pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Where's all this happening? Right here. As our minds are being removed. As our broken way of thinking comes in line with what we were designed for, which is to live in God's goodness. We go on to see that it's more about the message that our lives declare than the message that our lips preach. Romans 2, verse 17. He says, now, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God. Now you're like, well, how does this have application to us? Well, the, the Jewish people were the ones who were, who were told that Messiah was coming. And they were the ones holding on. And looking for Messiah, Jesus, to show up, a Savior to show up. The rest of the world's just going on about its business. Think of it, I always explain it this way. Think of it like a big, busy airport, okay? Everybody else is just going on their thing, and the Jewish people were the ones holding the Messiah sign, waiting for him to show up, okay? Everybody else just doing their own thing. And they had an assignment to look for Savior. And there was prophecies and all these different things that said what he was going to look like and when he was going to show up and all these different things, and they were the ones... And because they had that assignment, sometimes there's some spiritual pride that would get in there and, and it could begin to say, well, we're special just because we get to hold the sign. And he says, so now if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you're instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, you know better, you can actually see. A light for those who are in the dark, an instructor to the foolish or a teacher of children, because you have the, the law, the embodiment of knowledge and truth. And then you teach, uh, you teach others and do not teach yourself. You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? It is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles or, or the people that were non-Jews because of you. It begins to get in and say, it's so easy for you to, to grab this little religious banner and, and hide behind that. Well, I go to church, or I do these things, or I have, I have this thing, or my, my whole family's always been Christians, and I, and I hide behind this. Well, I was raised up in church, and therefore I'm okay. And he says, no, this is more about this thing coming up within us and our lives aligning. Our lives aligning with this. It's not just about the message that our lips preach. I remember the story about the, uh, the little boy who was following his pastor, lived in his neighborhood, and he's following that pastor around, so he was doing some remodeling. He's, 
remodeling and hammering and nailing and doing all this stuff. The little boy follows him around for hours and hours. Sometimes he'd help him with hand him stuff. Sometimes he wouldn't. And finally, at the end of the day, the pastor looks down at the little boy and, and says, "Hey, you must you must really like carpentry. You, you want to be a carpenter when you grow up?" And he said, "No." He said, "Well, why, why have you been following me around and watching me all day?" I just want to see what a pastor says when he hits his thumb. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, what does a pastor say when they hit their thumb? Yeah. Hopefully something appropriate. Yeah. But that's it. There's all that thing of is this legit? Yeah. You put on a Sunday morning show. Do you have the right answers to it, or is this somehow deeper in you? When all the crud comes crushing down and there's pain, what's really there? Amen. Yep. What's really there? And see, and that's the thing that we desperately want to be able to be good at at Celebration Church. If we can kind of take care of the fact that we understand everybody's in process and we don't have to put on a happy face all the time and do it, that we're all growing together, then we can kind of begin to remove at least a layer of the hypocrisy. We're all hypocrites to some degree or another. We are. I'd love to say that we can remove all the hypocrisy, but just forget church. There's hypocrites everywhere in all things. We have an ideal we want and, and say is best, and then we, we, we miss it. I don't care what it is. Financial hypocrites, educational hypocrites, church hypocrites, they're everywhere. But if we'll quit trying to fake it, then we'll be able to actually move forward with some things. See, James 1.22 tells us, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. The last thing we want to hit today that's covered there in Romans 2 is that Jesus is about heart change. He's about heart change. We're going to go ahead and, and skip down to Romans 2.29 for sake of time. But he goes through and he's talking initially about this thing that one of the signs that set a Jew apart was this concept of circumcision and and. It's a discussion for another day. And, uh, but it was there, there was a place of pride that there was there that, that that was what made them holy. And that Jesus comes in and says, it's really not about something that happens to the flesh. What this is, is this is about this is about something that's happened to the heart. We want to have our hearts unprotected. We want to have our hearts open. <clears throat> And he says there in Romans chapter 2, verse 29, it says, No, a person is a, is a Jew, is someone who's, who has covenant with God, who's one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart, but the, <clears throat> by the Spirit, not written by code. Such a person's praise is not from people, but from God. We have to have a consciousness that what he wants, what he wants to work on and deal with is our hearts is our hearts. See, as we begin to change the way we think, his kindness begins to come in and shift the way we think. What we think, they're within our inner man. We begin to shift the thoughts and intents of our heart. And out of that flows natural life change. 
I guarantee every relationship simply understands that trying to be more mindful of the anniversary and being better calendar on this and doing all the external stuff isn't what what unnerves us is what we're afraid of that missing all that stuff tells us is that your heart really isn't involved. If the heart gets fixed, it all gets fixed. See, 1 Peter 4 eight says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sin. It's God's kindness that leads us into life change. As you're dealing with Him, allow God to deal with you in that way. Come to Him expecting for Him, for him to deal with you in a compassionate way place. We can be so fearful when we feel like we're, we're not doing the right thing and feel like there's just this wall of judgment. He wants to help us. He understands. We covered this a couple weeks ago in, in Jesus' humanity that we can come to him in our moment of weakness. Why? Because he understands us. See, the good news is that Jesus brings life to all of us. He really does. So this morning, I want to create, I want to create a quiet time. Well, if you're here and, and maybe for the first time you are recognizing, you understand that this this Christianity thing isn't about a do-over. Oh, you get to try harder one more time. That it's not about a second chance. It's not about trying to act better then this Christianity thing is recognizing that without Jesus, we can't do it. But in Him, His life can bring life to us. That we recognize that He is the source of life. That it's not about what we've done, but about what He has done. So with, no, with just a quiet moment here, if you're here this morning and you say, Brandon, I want that. I believe that Jesus Christ died for me, and I believe that he made me right with God. It's not about what I've done or planned to do, but about what Jesus did. If that's you, just raise your hand, and we want to pray with you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Believers, just lift your voice with these. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy that you were in Jesus reconciling me to you. Everything has been dealt with. I'm 100% right with you based on what Jesus did. Today you're my father. I'm your child. And you're going to change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah. Please just stand up. I want to pray over you as we go out of here. I want you to be conscious this week of God showing his kindness to you and, and, and be sensitive towards that. If you need any extra prayer today, we have the Hernandezes over here. The law homes over here. We have somebody over in T9. You can receive extra prayer if you so desire. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for you. We're thankful for the love that has been given to us in Jesus. And we just say thank you. 
Lord, we recognize, Lord, that it is your goodness, it is your kindness that draws us into life change, Lord. And we give you freedom to speak into our lives, Lord, so that we can act in a way where, Lord, we genuinely love you and love others. Lord, we get out of the selfish cycles of hurting ourselves and hurting others. Lord, and allow true love to flow. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Those of you who are in school of ministry, if you didn't get the memo, we're not meeting tonight. Have a great extended weekend.